Anyway, we should probably introduce <laughs> you. So you are... Well, why don't you tell everyone? Who uh, are you? What do you do? I'm Will, and for a living, I'm a game developer. And now I live in Falmouth. I've been here for about six and a half years. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah, and so you're a... Uh, you, like, uh, a lot of guests have been uh, <clears throat> aspiring games developers. Right. Um, Is that who you usually have on here? Well, they're all my friends from the university, so, so yeah. Have so. you released an episode? No, but the right, first good. one comes out like, on Saturday. Okay, good. Because you couldn't find it. Well, I was wondering, like, I should probably look and see if he has released any, and then just get the gist of what they're about. This. This. Just the mess of, of human, <laughs> human conversation. That's what they're about. Good. It's uh, but I do tend to have people who do games on. Yeah. Um, obviously, because that's who I'm surrounded by. Yeah. Uh, the first one is actually coming out this Saturday, mm. which is very exciting. I mean, for the for the listeners, that will be a month from now. Was it the first one you ever recorded, or? No, 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 okay. no. I've been recording them for about three years, <laughs> and I still haven't released one. Wow. Well, yeah. Okay. But the first one comes out on Saturday. I feel like, like how you'll never you have it. to do anything after this. Like you've got three years of podcasts saved up. It's not quite three years worth of podcasts. I haven't. Okay. I think if I'd have had a record, if I'd have been releasing them, I would have needed to be more diligent about recording them. Right. The first one is from three years ago, but okay. there's a big gap between the very first one and the second one. What's the audio quality like? Is it the same? No, I didn't oh. have this. Oh, what well, this <laughs> pedestal. The no, mic. the mic, the mic will. No, the plastic pile of shit was here before then. Yeah, I've had that a lot longer than I've had that. Mm. Shouldn't tap it, it will make noise on the microphone. I'm not very good at this whole audio thing yet. I'm, I'm figuring out as we go along. But uh, About three years. Three years, yeah. I know. I'm, I'm, good at, I'm good at just... I just get stuck in. I'll figure yeah. it out after I've, uh, I've actually done it. Sure, sure. Um, so what's the first one actually called? Um... Oh, who's it with? I'm, I'm so curious. the first one is with a uh, very inspirational and uh, cool. I think it's going to be with Cass, who's um, on. I don't know if you know. There's like a game team with Transfuser in the in the Games Academy, and Transfuser is like a grant. Okay, I. Yeah. Yeah. What am I thinking of? The launch party is what I'm thinking. Of. That's also a grant thing that exists within okay. the uni, but Transfuser is like a national one. Oh, so it's not the same thing. Not the same thing. Hmm. Uh, but they have been given a space up in the top of the uh, Games Academy studio. You know, that like stairwell bit. Yeah. Uh, up there, they've got their team, Studio Mutiny. Wow. And their uh, their game releases on the 30th of April. Wow. So they've been given the important spot in that room. Hmm? They've been given the like balcony yeah. thing. Yeah, <laughs> they've been given the penthouse suite. The peasant. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Neat. It's pretty cool. I did wonder what was up there because, like, from where we were downstairs, it just looked like empty space. Yeah, we should point out that me and Will actually met at Global Game Jam. Yeah, which was, I think, over a month. It was at the start of February, tenth, wasn't it? Yes. Maybe. Yeah, it was the weekend of the tenth. Yeah. So. Yeah, and that is where we met. Yeah, so it was about a month ago. Yeah. Yeah, and I've been meaning to have you on the podcast since then. Which, so. yeah, we've kept delaying and yeah. Well, now we're here. Now we're here. Now we're here. You've got me. I've got you. For Trapped minutes. in a room for an hour. Ten minutes. On a microphone. <laughs> yeah, Game Jam. We were chatting about it a bit downstairs. and it's, It was a good time. Yeah, it was the first one I'd, I'd ever done. You've never done any Game Jams no, before that ever, one? No, And I'd been meaning to for ages. Like, Martin's always saying, do a Game Jam with me, blah, blah, blah. And then, yeah, that one came up and I was like, fine, I'll do it. <laughs> Almost begrudgingly, because I thought, oh, it's a whole weekend. 
I don't really want to be on a computer for another, you know, more weekend. But it was a lot of fun, way more fun than I expected. Yeah, yeah. it's a surreal vibe, isn't it? Everyone's it just like so motivated. Everyone's super like hyped and just like sharing. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, how do you do that? No, can you show me how to do that really quickly? We need that for our no, project. Up to, Mar- to Martin, who doesn't, you know, he's not a tutor there anymore. But like, everyone's still treated him like their tutor, which was awesome. And I thought it was really kind of like sweet. Yeah, it was really nice. It's really odd though, because he's only just left, like to yeah. the point where. Um, so, for anyone listening who doesn't know who Martin is, he was one of the design lecturers at Falmouth. I don't know. I never had him because I did art design. I don't. I I really should know. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't know what his actual like, what his actual job title was. Oh, he was doing loads. I'm guessing it was design and programming. I, I don't know. Sorry, Martin. <laughs> well, I never had a lecture with him, so I, one of my friends was like, oh, is it true that he's leaving? And I was like, I don't know. As soon as I'm working on a team with him, I'll ask him. Yeah. And then that was when we were on the way to the pub, and I was like, so Martin, are yeah. you thinking about leaving? He's like, I've left, mate. I'm like, oh, God, put my foot in my mouth. Yeah, I've been gone for months, dude. And you didn't notice? Didn't notice. Wow. Like I say, we didn't have lectures with him. I like, you should apologise to him as well. I did at the time. <laughs> I'll do a public one now. Sorry, Martin. Sorry, Martin. <laughs> oh, that God. might be the subtitle of this podcast. Episode. Sorry, <laughs> Martin. <laughs> With Will Bullen. Yeah, uh, yeah the, the, the vibes were great. Do you watch Games Done Quick? I haven't actually seen it. Is it? It's just like a, a speed-running marathon. Oh, that's, oh, oh twi- that's twice a year. I do know it, yes. Sorry, I d- the name didn't spring to my mind, but sure, sure. yeah, yeah. Games um, Done Quick is a cool, cool pro. They do it for charity, don't for they? For charities, yeah. Um, and I watch that all the time whenever it's on and then the, the YouTube videos but the vibes I got from the game jam were that like just the webcam being on as well yeah <laughs> like, yeah yeah. I'm at games done quick that was like how it felt and yeah. I'd love to go to one of those events some sometime um, but yeah those were the sort of vibes I got yeah it's good it's like a, a communal vibe everyone's yeah. there for the same purpose yeah. and you're all putting in extra hours when you don't have to just for the hell of it just yeah, to be that creative that was really cool yeah, it's inspirational, it was, it was isn't more it? Diligence than I've seen in actual studios before. <laughs> yeah, I know it's mad. It was, it's like I mean, a lot of people joke about in the academy that you know you spend all this time making, you spend a year making a game, right? Yeah. Which is actually quite a short amount of time to make a game, but we spend a year making a game, and then most people, not most people, a lot of people do the game jam, and they come away from the game jam going, "I actually liked my game jam game a lot more I than imagine, I liked yeah. my year project game." Just starting something totally different. They're not. Facing any creative blocks or there's no pressure because no there's pressure, no time. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's all pressure, but there's no, yeah, there's no yeah. like, there's no like. It has to be perfect. It's like no, it has to be done. Or we should change everything. And blah blah blah. And <laughs> getting into scraps with your teammates and things. It's just do it and then yeah, it's over. <laughs> yeah, it was great. So you've been working in the games industry for how long? It was when I came down here. So it's uh, six and a bit years. It was November 2013. Right. Hmm. I wonder what I was doing in November 2013. Probably in Vietnam. Potentially, yeah. <laughs> Potentially. That might be exactly where my trip was. <laughs> yeah. That really might be exactly where my trip was. Two adventures in Nam, yeah. Yeah, well, no, that was. So that was six years ago. Was it? Yeah, because I went when I was 20, because I turned wow. 21 out there. So it would have it been. I would have. Do you know what? I would have been coming. If it was the start of November, I would have been. Holy shit. Would I have actually been. No, I was in Cambodia in November. Right. Unless it was the very start of November, in which case I was in Vietnam. Hmm. 
That's trippy, man. That's really funny that you say that. And it's yeah. 100% true. Yeah, it's weird. I need to get out again, man. It's been <laughs> how many years? I don't know. It's impossible to leave Cornwall. Yeah. It but seems yeah. like a lot of people get stuck here. I'm stuck here. <laughs> when I first came, I still remember someone saying, uh, once you're in Cornwall, it's really hard to leave, or something like that. Um, I was like, yeah, whatever. I didn't think of anything, uh, think of it at the time. But now I get what they mean. Like, it's really grown on me in six years. Yeah. Um, and it does feel like home, which is annoying because, you know, I want to explore a bit more of this <laughs> yeah, world. Yeah, yeah. Go somewhere else. Bust out. But then when it's so, everything's so amazing down here, it's really hard. It's pretty good. I really enjoy it. And I'm, I think I'm just feeling too safe, like, in, you know, I'm too comfortable. And mm. I think moving somewhere else would, um, yeah, be a bit of a new adventure. But anyway, yeah, that's when I came down here. But that was when I got a job, and uh, yeah, I've been stuck here ever since. Stuck here ever since. Um, I'm not working in the studio any- anymore. I'm freelance. So again, like I could be wherever, but it's just I'm still here. But this is where you are. Because so. I, like, I like my flat. <laughs> yeah. Where is your flat, Falmouth? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm. It's a nice, nice town, Falmouth. As long as the students aren't too noisy on a on a Friday. It's changed a lot. Really. Since I've been here, yeah. Probably sound like an old man saying that, but when I first came, the university didn't seem as big. It's because uh, it wasn't. It wasn't as big. No, no, of course. <laughs> <laughs> like now, like the buildings that were all up there now, it didn't look anything like that when I first came. Like the shop was a shitty little shack. It was great. Like you walk in and you feel the floorboards like cracking under your weight. Yeah, it's actually mental. Like um, in the, just in the time I've been at Falmouth, which is three years, I've seen like. One whole block get built. They completely renovated the like the summer I got here. They put that warehouse together for all the game students. So that wasn't there before I got here. The one that we were in. We were in, okay. yeah, doing the game jam. I didn't even go down there for the first three years. <laughs> Why go down? <laughs> What's down there? There's nothing down there. No, There's Granite Planet actually. Yeah, I've only been there once, but that's how I knew them. Mm-hmm. I used to go there a fair bit. Oh, do you? Not so much anymore. Hmm. It's good, but it's just it's a bit. Um, they're stuck, unfortunately, at Granite Planet. There's a whole situation that they've got. This sounds like climbing drama. It, it it's <laughs> not just climbing. It's like like people buying out lots, and it's just really? property drama. It's a, it's a whole what, it's, in Granite Planet. Yeah, so it's not like, but the owners have had like a massive battle with like John Lewis and stuff, and it's been like a oh. it's a whole thing. But yeah, they uh, huh. so it's sort of stagnated. I see. They haven't. They meant to upgrade it all, but it's not been upgraded. Because why would you upgrade it just to be kicked out? Yeah. Oh, well, that's a shame. It is a shame, and it's what's weird about it is it's the only. <clears throat> not anymore, actually. I think recently they've opened some, but like, in Newquay or something. But it was for the longest time the only climbing gym in all of Cornwall. Mm. Was Granite Planet. Sure. Which is like what? How does that make sense? It's not like there's even anywhere natural to climb around here. There's no. You are joking, aren't oh, you? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I think I'm right. <laughs> Do you know what I was thinking? About? <laughs> <laughs> Some of the most amazing natural cliffs all over all over England. Oh, oh it's a shame about? there's nowhere to go to go climb. Go on. What did you mean? Uh, <laughs> in my, I mean like in the middle of Cornwall. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. There's, there's some. There's well, Roche. There's Roche Rock. There's what? There's Roche Rock. I don't know what that is. It's uh, it's, it's up, in, it's up in the north. If, I think the thing is, if you were, 
if you like got involved with a group of climbers, you'd like realize that there's loads of spots all over Cornwall. But you need a car. Oh, okay. You like that. That's the main thing. You need a car yeah. to get on those trips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, fuck me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was I was thinking of like mountains. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's one. It, I mean, it's it's something that you, if you've not gone out and seen it, it's like why would you think? To climb it, but I didn't know really until I joined the climbing society. Have you done much climbing around? Uh, nowhere near as much as I sh- wish I had. Like I've done some, and I've done uh, like a little bit of everything in terms of like uh, what's called like top roping. I haven't I haven't done any sport climbing, but I did a bit of trad, which is where you put all your own protection in. That's really fun because you're like, oh, I hope this holds. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it sounds really sketchy. It does. I wouldn't want to do it. Yeah. I mean, it sounds really sketchy. It doesn't feel as sketchy when you, because you sort of like test it and you feel yeah. it and you're like, okay, well, I trust that or I don't trust that. It's, and the thing I climbed was like so easy that you would never, like, I wouldn't free solo, but it was so easy. It'd be like, I could free solo that. That's not, mm. do you know what I mean? It's, I wouldn't even need a rope to climb that. I would never climb without a rope, but it's like, that's so easy. Sure. I'm not going to fall off of it. So I don't feel that bad about sticking these bits of protection in for myself. If I was climbing something actually really hard and I was scared of falling and I was like, oh, I haven't put a good piece of gear in a few pegs, then that might get really sketchy and sort of worrying. But yeah, yeah, the tread I did was uh, was piss easy, really. What about like, I'd even feel like dodgy going up like a pre-existing route. There was a, a climbing podcast I used to listen to and one of the guests was like, yeah, we went around like Patagonia redoing all the roots up stuff and some of the bolts they were pulling out had been there for years and years and were mm-hmm. like just just a rusty threadbare like really thin things that you put in your entire way on like, yeah crazy it's absolutely mental then mm-hmm. you're just yeah it's, that's one thing i do always wonder about on um sport climbing routes that's what that is as well there's pre-bolted yeah roots is like you're just trusting that whoever put it up knew what they were doing right yeah. like you're like Oh yeah, there's 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 clips there. I guess I hope they're all good. <laughs> yeah. You can't know before you get up there, no. surely. No. I always just wonder, like the nutters that go up nutters. and set them. Oh, f- mad, mad respect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good fun. I love a bit of climbing. I like climbing movies. <laughs> I watched um, Cliffhanger. Shit film, but it's actually kind of entertaining, and it looks really good. Oh, really? Like, just all the scenery and stuff, and, like, the atmosphere, it looks really good. But it's really dumb. It's just fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a silly film. <clears throat> I've not seen it, I don't think, but I know the premise. It's got a, what's his name in? Sylvester Stallone. Oh, really? Yeah. So, of course, like, you've probably got an idea of what it is in your head now. Yeah, yeah. Just some cheesy action movie. Cheesy AF. Yeah, yeah. I like the, um, the start of uh, Mission Impossible. You know where... Yeah, yeah. Tom... Yeah. Whatever his name is. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, that's the one. Oh, I forgot Tom Cruise's name. <laughs> I do not know. But he, essentially, there's a scene at the start of it where he's climbing up a cliff. Mm. And he actually learnt how to do that oh, for real. Because mm. Tom Cruise is a madman and does everything for real. Wow. He started producing the Mission Impossible movies solely because they, like the producers were saying to him, oh, you're not allowed to do the stunts yourself. That's far too dangerous. And he was like, no, I want to do all the stunts myself. And mm. they were like, no, you can't, I'm afraid. And he was like, oh, really? I'm going to buy the movie. And he? Yeah, so oh. he's the producer. Oh, really? Because <laughs> I didn't if, know that. Because so if anyone was like, you know, oh, 
Tom, you're not surely going to do this stunt where you hang off the side of a plane, are you? It's like, I'm the producer. I'm the only one who can yeah. do it. Like, <laughs> I've been specifically asked by the producer to do it. <laughs> was it the same in the second one, though? I think the second one might be the only one where he didn't do all of his own stunts, yeah. and that was where he bought the rights or the production to the movie so that he could sure. do all of the stunts for them. Hmm. The man's a maniac. Yeah, I was just thinking. There's a really cool like bike chase in the second one. That's what made me think. He might like that himself would be pretty neat. He's a madman. He yeah. he learned you know there was that bartending movie he went he was in. What's, do you know what I called? haven't seen it. I, I just know it was a movie where he was a bartender. Huh. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know. Well essentially in that movie, uh the bartender is doing all these crazy like flares and tricks and stuff with the bottles, right? Like, you know, really fancy bartending. Yeah. Tom Cruise learned how to do all of that shit <laughs> himself. And not only that, he's left-handed, but the bartender was right-handed. So he learned to do all of the flares and tricks right-handed with his non-dominant hand. Why not just mirror the footage? Because it's Tom Cruise, man. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, Tom Cruise. The guy's mad. <laughs> He'll just do whatever it takes to make this... <laughs> He'll just obsess over these things, apparently. Like, just in his mm. private life, he, this is all he's doing now, is I need to learn how to, I don't know, do a Rubik's Cube in six seconds or something for yeah. a roll. Mm. The man's a maniac. Yeah. Um, what a nightmare for all the others. What, people who work with him? <laughs> <King> on it. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, he's the nicest guy <laughs> okay. in the world. Yeah. Apparently. Bottle flipping and stuff isn't driving them mad. Oh, yeah, maybe his family. Oh. But, like, you know, they're not... He, he's testing this stuff out in his apartment on his own <laughs> I mean like you know the, you don't just show up one day on set and go oh I've got to learn how to flare bottles it's like no he's been practicing for six months prior yeah. and he's like now I can flare bottles for this role <laughs> it's mad some of the shit actors go through yeah just like all the weight gain stuff you seem like they go from like fat I thin to castaway. Fat thin. yeah Tom Hanks the, yeah there's that like cut in the film where it's and now three years has passed and he's lost shitloads of weight and he's really skinny whereas before it was quite podgy that must be pretty nuts yeah and he did it to himself yeah and now he's got diabetes has he got diabetes yeah oh, and no. he sort of attributes it to, to that the crazy weight loss in, and in Castaway not just because he's I mean as an actor so they have to do oh, it fairly okay. often okay. for roles right like it's a thing they might have to do huh but yeah Castaway did not help what about <laughs> do you watch It's Always Sunny yeah, yeah, Max. Max <laughs> transformation. <laughs> Didn't he say you just put on like he just got fat because he thought it'd be funny or something? Yeah, it was for a joke. It was for a bit. Between seasons, he got really fat, and then in the later season, he's he, massive again. I was in like ripped. he's ripped as yeah. fuck. Like in the first season, he was never like ripped. He was never jacked. He was just like you know wasn't. Was, then he got he really kept, fat, yeah. and then he got like absolutely shredded. Amazing! What a fucking champion! What an idiot! Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I think that season was my favourite though. I think is that the one with Ron Rom Hammond? Yes, yeah. I think it might be. That was really good. Rom <laughs> That's Castaway. Yeah. God, always honey. The, I think the cast and crew of Always Sunny, everyone wants to emulate them, right? Because they have the cheapest, and like the most successful sitcom on television. Because it doesn't cost... The the bar is one set. And mm. 95% of the show happens <laughs> at the bar. 
They never need to change scenery. It's like yeah. one of the lowest production cost shows there is. Yeah. Yeah. So when they check you looking apartment every now and then. And... Yeah. And it could be the same apartment. You just film it from a different angle and suddenly it's a different apartment. Yeah. Like it's actually mad. <laughs> I love all that stuff. Yeah. Scene behind. Yeah. Scene behind like the scenes and you know like Matt writes the whole thing. Yeah. And he's married to D. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's, that's funny. It's weird. Isn't it? <laughs> it's really weird. It's like, um, did you ever watch Dexter? Yes, and the, I read the books as well. I read two or three of the books. Yeah, but, I don't uh, think I read all the books. Dexter was Dexter's real life wife was his sister in that. Really? Yeah. Oh, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I suppose you get good chemistry with uh, your partner, or yeah. not? But yeah, yeah, I suppose. It's likely that you could have some decent chemistry. Mm. You'd expect to, anyway. Yeah. Maybe not. What did you think of the books? I thought they were really... I thought it was a really, like, interesting way that they were written. I quite liked the... Uh, I was very surprised. Yeah, I thought it was a... How different they were from the series. Yeah, no, it wasn't... Yeah, they didn't... They deviated almost immediately from each yeah. other, right? Like, the first series kind of mimics the first book, mm. and then... People die who are in the series to the day, like to this day. Oh, really? Huh. Or like different people died in the series to the books, if I remember correctly. Like they, they. I don't even remember any characters from the book being in the series. I think it was like the third book. I stopped on. It mm. might have been the second. I can't remember. It was one where it was about like really weird, like voodoo, magicy music stuff, and that kind of turned me off a bit because it it was like more supernatural and not. Dexter. Yeah. yeah. Which was kind of all grounded in real Somewhat reality, yeah. So that's, that was the last one I read. That, that was, was the that was the, the horror you that was all the horror you needed was the fact that this is all supposed to be real. Yeah. You don't need like yeah, supernatural yeah. to supernatural... get it extra spooky. Maybe I just totally misinterpreted the book. <laughs> but from what I understood there was like this certain music which played and then people died or people started someone's like killing someone or something like that, or it possessed Dexter a little bit. I might be getting that totally wrong, but it's been a long time. That's since what I, I read remember, that book. and I, I didn't like it. <laughs> no, I wasn't a fan. No, <laughs> yeah. it's funny, isn't it? How like you can? It's. I think it's all about establishing things in your like your first act, as it were. Like if you establish in the first act that this, whatever is possible, then you can only use what you've established as possible in your third act. If you try and like, it's why like when a movie goes from. Normal, 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 and there's like aliens. You're like, that's shit. But for movies like aliens, 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 <laughs> you're like, oh yeah, there's aliens. Like that's fine. Everyone will accept it as the as the truth of the world, hmm. as long as that's the truth you establish at the start. If you throw a curveball in and like, okay, yeah, suddenly there are ghosts everywhere, and that's how we're gonna finish this movie. You feel hmm. cheated if they didn't like even hint at ghosts in the first act. Yeah, I was was wondering when you said aliens, were you? Referring to the aliens, Indiana Jones. Oh, I wasn't, but yeah, that fits. Uh, kind, it kind of fits, I guess. It's well, but I mean, that movie. when it, yeah, when the aliens were suddenly there, that was kind of a. Oh, <laughs> oh no! It's always better if you don't no. show it, George. Yeah, George is terrible though. He doesn't understand how to keep his franchise. It's amazing how he made such amazing work and brilliant franchises, and then has categorically gone and just ruined them by existing and keeping on making them. 
Actually, George Lucas. Lucas. I saw. You know, there's this yes. Star Wars meme. I didn't know where that came from. And then I saw the latest edition of uh, Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. And it was there. Yeah, it's cool. I had no idea. I only saw it like a few months ago over Christmas. Yeah. I didn't. I. I remember that scene from as a kid, like no, like that's how how I've always remembered it. He just picks him up, chucks him down. He doesn't say anything, and then they added the. Yes, God, they ruined it. It's terrible. I feel bad for whoever was told to do that. I found out the other day that there is there was a new cut of A New Hope in cinemas circulated within the like the run of the of the film being in cinemas. So it within so people went to see A New Hope. Yeah. And a couple months later or a month later, there was a new cut that was put into cinemas afterwards. So you could have gone to see A New Hope on the release night. Yeah. And then gone see it two months later and see a different cut of the movie. It's just a patch, isn't it? It's a patch, but it's but just I I knew they did that in cats recently. Yeah. I thought that was the first movie that had ever done that. Well, like apparently... sent out a new version with oh, what did they say? Like visual Effects improvements or tweaks, tweaks and fixes, <laughs> bug fixes to a movie. I thought that was really interesting that that can be done today. Mm. I mean, it could be done back in A New Hope. Oh, apparently. clearly, yeah, 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 yeah. But but you just, just don't think it'll happen. That's you sort of think that when the movie's put out, it's done. That's don't it's you? done. That's and how games get, used to be. <laughs> might get a director's cut. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No games aren't like that anymore at all, no. are they? Which is also amazes me that you know that ship a cartridge game or whatever and it has to be perfect yeah it has to be finished not yeah. per- then they i doubt anyone who worked on them would call them perfect yeah because it's it's just always the case that whatever you made is like oh god i can see all the holes in this yeah but yeah it's yeah it's mad isn't it they, they had to not just understand if you were making games back in like the 80s you had to understand how to build the circuit board to make the game run right like you'd be Mental. i just don't yeah they, they do teach assembly at, at Falmouth as oh. part of the programming course. You have to learn a bit about assembly, yeah. which I guess makes sense for programmers. Yeah. Artists, not so much. <laughs> I think they'd scare a lot of the artists. Yeah. It's funny how, like, any level of technicality just immediately terrifies, or at least it used to. I don't know if it does anymore, but, like, when we first started, I was very guilty of it myself, but as soon as it was like, here's a technical thing, like how to build a material in engine. Yeah. It was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I don't get it, I don't get it. Well, you seem pretty sharp when we were doing the game jam with all the fucking repository stuff and things. and I've learnt it now. Yeah, no, you definitely have. I've had to. Which was, it was all way over my head. Yeah. I mean, repository I stuff is... Oh, I, I do get it. It's just Git I haven't used for many years and mm-hmm. even when I did use it, it it wasn't for long no so I found it very confusing and yeah it's only because I've uh, spent the you first way around it. three months of the year this year just <clears throat> every every week I'd lose about half a day to get issues just talking to the text me like why is it broken really. now <laughs> why is it broken this well, time even ours shit itself towards the end yeah yeah mine clearly died and Exploded. Uh, we, <laughs> I don't think that surprised anyone. And then you, yours went down, and I think by the end of it, only, only Martin's was still working. Yeah, the one working branch. Yeah, that's, right at the very end. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, often how it goes when you're not being diligent about caching. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. But it's, I don't know, it's just funny. It's like, 
it's this magnificent like hidden beast in terms of like no one gets taught it properly or at least they didn't get no one's no matter how well they teach it to you you're never going to understand it until you have to sit down and break it yourself a few times yeah and so like so many artists at least for the longest time i don't know if it's different now but like for the longest time they just wouldn't do it they just wouldn't touch the repo. They just send them. the assets to someone who yeah. knew what they were doing. I'm yeah, making yeah. air quotes in the air. Yeah. It was not like on my team, it was either me or the designer. And I was the only, the only reason they gave them to me because I knew what I was doing. It was like, well, I'll just break it. Like, let's, <laughs> let's see if it breaks when we do it. Cause I don't, I don't know if it's going to break. I've got no idea what I'm doing. I'm just yeah. praying as much as anyone else. I just, I'm less scared to push the button. Sure. It was a, yeah, it was a learning experience for sure. Yeah. It's good though. I like I now I understand it a bit better. It's like, oh, I see why this is so powerful, but mm. like before having to make games and teams, you don't really understand why file sharing is like yeah. essential and critical. But I mean, we should probably talk about like some of the projects you've uh, you participated in because you've you've actually shipped two titles, is it? Yeah. That's cool. Uh, do you want to know professional stuff or stuff before then? I mean, start start at the beginning. Tell tell people how you got started in, in games. What was your what was your interest? Um, uh, <laughs> when did I first start? I guess. Do you remember Time Splitters? Yes. To the the arcade game. Like FPS. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Like PS. Oh, maybe you think it. I don't know. I'm thinking of Time Crisis, time, time but crisis I do remember Time Splitters. Time Splitters well, Two. It had a, a really cool level editor. Mm-hmm. which no other game, to my knowledge, had had such a robust one before. Mm-hmm. And to be able to make your own levels on a console was awesome. And, you know, that came out when I was a kid, and I was just messing around with it. And I think, you know, that would be my first... Inciting in- incident. Yeah, to making levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, professionally, I'm a... Professionally. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, a, a level designer, sort of slash environment artist. I'm sort of a bit of both at the moment. Yeah. Um... And so I guess that was my first little bit of level design. I remember trying to make uh, CS Italy in Time Splitters. <laughs> so it was around the it was around the time that Count Strike Source had come out mm-hmm. on the O five, mm-hmm. um, and then from then up until twenty twelve and thirteen, I was just you know a hobbyist um, making maps for the games I liked, mm-hmm. um, the games I liked making well. My, Games I was making maps for were uh, like there was Counter Strike to begin with, and then uh, well, so I was in various like source mods which never came to anything, and I was a bit of an idiot anyway. So the uh, um, surprisingly, I, I was using Source from the get go, Source Engine, mm-hmm. um, and I spent years on that, but I didn't release an actual map to the public until like two thousand and nine. And it was for Killing Floor One, which well, it wasn't Source, and like yeah. everything up to then, I'd just been Source, and I was, yeah. So everything prior to that, I'd never released anything. Um, and that was and how many years of just I don't know, absolutely like, four years. Just that was just hobbyist stuff. Yeah, for, like just for your own your own development, making, own enjoyment. Yeah, um, see if you could do it. Yeah, it was just all fun. Um, I suppose that like sort of holds you in good stead with what you do now then as a, like a level designer slash environment artist. Is that do you think that that's your like because I don't 
correct me if I'm wrong, but the team you're working on isn't isn't a huge team, is it? It's not at the moment. I think it's getting bigger, so it's moderately sized, but it's it's not like a massive massive studio. Mm. Uh, so it's like there's more room for like a broader yeah. job role. You have more yeah, control yeah. So over your yeah. I guess yeah. That's exactly it. Like we don't have one person for one thing everywhere. It's um, everyone's quite um, multi-role, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, which is really cool. Like, you know, everyone's doing a bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really enjoy that as well because if I'm just doing, say, I don't know, level design on stop, not doing any, any any actual art stuff like level art or whatever, I get, you know, bored and it's just nice to be able to do, you know, art pass a part of your own level and do some art for it as well yeah like variety is the spice of it right if you're yeah. just doing the same thing if you're just doing retopology yeah it's really boring like yeah a guy I used to work with said he was like just doing UVs for about six months yeah um, <laughs> I wouldn't want, he got mega good at it yeah um, but, but uh, it's a shame that that's probably everyone's trying to optimise that out of the, the pipeline I think do you know what I mean like UV arrangement, the day they can do an auto button that does it, no one's going to miss the, oh, I miss having hand selected. You say that. You think? <laughs> well, there's a certain satisfaction when that, you, yeah. you know, pack something really well. Yeah, it's true. It is like a, it's like doing a jigsaw puzzle, but you yeah. made all the pieces yeah, yourself. Yeah, and now you're, yeah it, it can be fun. Um, I think it's, it's one of those things that's, it's like, um, it's like doing Sudoku puzzles, right? It's like, it's just like, yeah. rewarding in its own little way it's like it's not it's like it's taxing and it's but it's not too taxing you can yeah. really listen to a podcast and, and like UV arrange or re-apologise to an extent exactly yeah yeah but the three months non-stop or whatever, whatever. no thank you go insane <laughs> go absolutely insane yeah I do miss re-apology because n- now I do VFX mostly so there's not really that much like yes certain meshes you do need to you need to make meshes and certain meshes you need to UV really well because they'll have certain texture scroll over them in a certain way. But for the most part, it's not really, not really modeling. Like you're not doing a lot of modeling anyways. Like it, you're modeling like a little puff or something or simulating something and sure. snaps and like yeah, snagging yeah. that and using that as your mesh. But you don't really need to worry too much about the, uh, hmm. the neatness of the UV because it's vis- whizzing by on the screen. You know, sure, like sure. Yeah. you're going to use really low res textures on it anyway, hopefully. Yeah. It's, yeah. Hmm. I miss retopology sometimes. <laughs> um, but yeah. From... From Killing Floor. From Killing Floor. Um, what did I do after that? I think I just made more maps for that. Uh, made a map for a game I really liked called Red Orchestra 1. At the time, it was only called Red Orchestra. <laughs> um, and... Yeah, that was a... I really enjoyed making that map. It was like a a one-to-one recreation of a part of um, Berlin during the Second World War. Oh, right. And that was really fun. Like That was my first like dive into doing historical research and hunting down every aerial photo or whatever I could find of that spot. Um, and I really enjoyed doing that. How long do you reckon that one took you? Oh, at the time. <laughs> I don't know. Like, uh, That was just after I'd finished school, so I had all the time in the world. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Four months. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like, so it's like, cause it, was a lot just, of, it was still hobbyist stuff, so yeah. I was just doing it, whatever. But um, you, it's just interesting to think, you know, you spent four months just, just grinding away, getting 
working at skills that I mean did you know you wanted to work in the games industry at that point or was it still I did yeah but I was a kid um, you know, 18 19 still a kid still really naive and mm-hmm. at that time okay so yeah at that time I'd had left sixth form and applied to do games design at university mm-hmm. um, so I had a year of just doing nothing yeah um, but you capital. already knew that that's what you wanted to yeah but um, I wouldn't say there was any like what's the way to word this there wasn't any like smart thinking behind that that's the best way I can it wasn't a plan it was like I want to make games which was you know I was really uh, naive and immature Um, and you know I saw a games design course with you know enough you I got like one A level and a certificate which added up to just enough points to enter this university on games design. I was like, sweet. Uh, great, I'll just wait a year and, you know, I won't do much and then I'll, I'll go I'll go make games and I'll, I'll be a game maker <laughs> sort of thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, of course, it didn't turn out to be like that at all. No. <laughs> um, in that year, I sort of wisened up a bit and, and I was already starting to doubt it, like, I've sort of jumped the gun here. I'm a bit of an idiot. Um, and I've no idea what this course is like or anything like that. So I was already starting to have doubts about it when I actually got there. And I, I did a year there. Mm-hmm. A year and two months or something at university doing games design. And it was awful. Oh, really? <laughs> it was Just... awful. Yeah. Do you want to call out the uni that it was? Oh, or... no, no. Like, I, don't, I wouldn't want to sh- shit on anyone or any. No, but any... it just wasn't for you the day or... The course wasn't very good, and it it was a very new course. Like this, I think it was the first year they were doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and even for the first half of the year, maybe even the whole year, I was very still pretty naive, thinking, "Oh, it'll get better." Um, and I hadn't really acknowledged the fact that I hadn't learnt a thing. Um, and a lot of what they were teaching us, a lot of the material they were giving us. I knew it was already available online because for the past five years I'd been googling for those things already and I knew they were there and mm. now they were you know that was the material they were handing out it was it felt like googled stuff yeah and yeah I thought the second year would be better and in some ways it was it, it there was a few new tu- uh, tutors um, who had some industry knowledge which was great but they were very nervous and they had no teaching experience mm-hmm um, a lot of this is in hindsight. I, now I can see it. Yeah. Back then, it, it wasn't so clear. Um, and I think after two or three months, I just started to feel miserable. Uh, the course hadn't really picked up. We were doing like really sometimes some really dumb modules. There was no at your uni. I'm aware there's there's different. Um, Courses. Yeah, in, on your course, there's different uh, specialisations. Specialisations, or whatever the words are. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you've got uh, your programmers, your artists, your animators, and your writers, or whatever. Oh, it was one of the courses where they try and teach you everything. It was everything. There was it was That's just everything. It was called games design. Way. Yeah. Um, and so it was it was a bit of everything, and it, everything was bad. <laughs> Well, the problem, isn't it, is like, you try and teach people how to make games by teaching them all of the individual facets. Of, you wouldn't expect someone to, like, 
Oh, uh, you want to be a baker? Oh, that's cool. Well, we're going to teach you how to refine flour first. Yeah. It's like, no, you don't, don't need to know how to refine yeah, the yeah. flour or grow it or... You don't, yeah, it's, you know, you need to know one specific bit of the process, right? And it's, yeah. that's what they, it's, it's, it's weird. I think the course would have been good had it not been like, at, at that time, I think it was the three, three and a half grand a year for the university. If yeah. it wasn't that, if it cheap, was something more. Cheap it, uni it courses. More, like, yeah, I don't know. It, like, <laughs> it more of a college course or something or sort of like a, a crash course into thing. And maybe that's what it a was. taster, yeah. But to me, dumb kid, I wasn't aware. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, sec- first start of the second year, I was pretty miserable um, with just how things were going. And I, I just I just quit. Yeah, <laughs> quit yeah. University. I was a dropout. <laughs> I was a dropout. And, uh, yeah, it, that was a quite tumultuous time of my life, I think, yeah. after I quit uni. Because I thought it was all over at that point. Mm. I smartened up a bit. Realised what it actually takes to get into the industry. Uh, which is just fucking hard work. Teach yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, put stuff out there. And uh, I realised I hadn't done that. I dicked around for a whole year. <clears throat> and then spent another year at this university where I wasn't really learning anything. Um, through my own fault. Like I was... I was I was lazy, and you know the course clearly wasn't aimed at someone like me. Well, that sounded arrogant. <laughs> someone like me. I mean, I mean, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, it wasn't. You knew what you were trying to get to to an extent, and they were just trying to show people what games yeah, it, are as a as a whole. I I at least knew I wanted to do level design. So yeah. that's all I knew, and and it wasn't level design. Yeah. You know, every time a little bit would come up, I'd be like, yeah, 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 this is great. But it would be very few and far between things. Well, they've got to teach you everything. Yeah. So they've got to, it's, yeah. Okay, well, here's your module on, on level did. design. It's one lesson. It's not even that. Like, it was... <laughs> I didn't care about um, doing stop-motion animation and stuff and learning about trajectories and even modelling human figures and stuff. You know, I love modelling. Not organic modelling, not characters or anything like that. I know I'm, I don't want to do that. And mm-hmm. I knew back then I didn't want to do that. I just wanted to make levels. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that was how I knew it wasn't for me. Yeah. So, yeah, it wasn't aimed at me. Um, so, yeah, after I left that, for a good... Something's popped up. It's all right. It's just my computer deciding it needs updates. It's, uh, it says your password's probably been changed. Oh, good. That's fine. Is that good? I don't know. We'll figure it out afterwards. <laughs> okay, <don't we>? sorry. <laughs> caught my attention. Um, so you were uh, you just finished? You, well, you just dropped out. I just dropped out of uni. I thought everything was all. I think although it was all over that I I'd never get into the industry. I'd never get a job, and I didn't have the like motivation and energy to actually continue to teach myself, which I almost stopped doing since I've been at uni. I still had this really stupid idea that I'd just learn, be given a piece of paper and show that to employers when I got out and say, look, (laughs) games, and then just get a job. And that's what I was embarrassingly expecting. Yeah. It's quite common though. I think a lot of people sort of get fed that that fallacy that that's how it works. You just get the piece of paper and then you go to the employer and give you the job, right? I do, looking at it, thinking about that now, you know, it's easy to say, oh, they're so dumb. But I get it. I was that dumb kid. 18, 19, you're still a kid. You've just got out of school. Mm-hmm. Of course, you're 
you're dumb. <laughs> <laughs> and even if you're a really smart eighteen-year-old, you're still there's just things that you haven't figured out yet because you've not you've not struck out on your own, right? Yeah. It's like everyone when they leave, right? It's like just, just you know it's the same reason that you know if you take a four-year-old out into the street, you you make sure they don't run into the road because they don't know that there's danger for cars. It's the same when you're eighteen. You don't know that there's, you know, that the piece of paper doesn't get you job. Yeah. Like, you don't know these things. It's like, I'm, I'm fucking however old I am now, 25 or whatever, and I'm sure when I'm fucking 35 or 45, I'll look back at me and be like, what the hell did I, what was I thinking? What an idiot. But, yeah. You just got to keep plodding on <laughs> yeah. forward, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, right. So, you're never getting into the games industry. It's all over. It's all over. So, where, so where, how did you pick yourself back up? What did, what was the, what was the process? Uh... <laughs> I think I, I carried on doing the odd well not the odd bit like I was still making levels and stuff but it, I did have a, like a bit of a break um, and I was modelling as well still um, and the thing that picked me up and I still look back on this and I'm like wow I got really lucky then um, the owner of the company that made Red Orchestra 1 a guy called John Gibson I was, I'd spoken to him a few times, like we'd spoken about the map I made, and he was like, hey, this is really cool. And we'd had some very short, you know, back and forth, and that was it. But uh, I made like a, I made some levels for him for a KF1 mod he was making for his own game. <laughs> Kept killing Floor 1. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, hey, do you want to make some little maps? I was like, yeah, why not? And so, yeah, I made a few maps for him, and, you know, um, sort of chatted a bit more. And at one point, after I'd quit uni, I was feeling pretty down. I told him, like, you know, I just dropped out of uni. I don't think I can get into this now. Um, and he was like, hey, I'll get you in touch with uh, one of the artists working on RO, Red Orchestra. And I had a chat with him. And he's, he's told me, uh, he just taught himself. He went to uni for the same thing, dropped out, uh, and then carried on teaching himself. And I was like, oh my god. <laughs> I couldn't get like more tailored like advice or reassurance from someone right now. And from someone you care about their opinion yeah, as well. Yeah. It's a game that you yeah. know and, and appreciate and have made levels for yourself. It's like, oh wait, someone... There's that part, this isn't is, it? That role model. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I'm very grateful for... To John for um, just chatting with me and like encouraging me to carry on. And so yeah, I did. I carried on. Um made a map for that oh, was a competition actually for a game a map level design competition for a game called Nuclear Dawn mm-hmm. it was an FPS uh, slash RTS hybrid Ooh. on the Source engine and yeah I loved that game and then they came out with this you know this competition and I thought great I'm going to enter this I love the game I want to I want a brief to work to and a deadline so I, I entered that um, and that was awesome I really enjoyed working out that level uh, really challenging source engine if I've worked with it it's, <laughs> it's from corridors and stuff <laughs> fortunately I have not had to uh, make anything in source oh, engine it's yet it's a lot of fun still I'm oh, still, yeah, looking back still making it's good a lot of fun this and does making the map run is half the fun with source <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, is it just like optimization stuff or is it like... yeah like really like edge casey optimization and you have to learn about, you know, BSP and how it all works, and um, you know how to trick the compiler into 
making this room around this corner not render anymore and really fun stuff like that yeah well it, it doesn't seem fun sometimes but uh, it, it was and uh, it, the nature of the map I made was very open very large so and they all were in that game it was really a, a wonder that they'd done it at all on the Source engine I was like this is amazing mm-hmm. um, and yeah so that was a lot of fun I learned a whole lot it took me about I think the the, the, the time frame was six months ish was it that long? That seems a bit long. It seems long for a competition. Yeah, I think it was extended at some point because the nature of the map's so huge and it was just hobbyists doing them. Yeah. Um, so I think it was extended at some point. Um, but yeah, it was a, that was my first like massive long slog, uh, you know, keeping track of all my work and things and trying to do it properly. And presumably this whole time you're also working some kind of job. No. No. No, I wasn't. Um, so this, <laughs> this sort of ties in with something else. Like, I was... I was still feeling pretty down, um, and I did go through a period of like depression and isolation as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the, de- the depression side of it came from the isolation. I was pretty pissed off at myself about the situation I put myself in, and I became like angry and bitter about the choices I'd made. And that I don't know. I felt like I'd let a lot of people down, including myself, and so I. <laughs> The time, the whole time I was working on that, I wasn't working. I was just sort of living in this isolated, depressed, angry, bitter existence, which mm. sounds pretty awful. I know that. Like, I can look back on it now and be like, yeah. At the time, it was pretty awful. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was pretty much why I wasn't working a day job. Mm-hmm. And so, in a way, I guess good did. In fact, no, did did <laughs> good did come from it. Yeah. Which is hard to say because it was a sh- really shitty thing. Yeah, it's really hard when you're going through it, but yeah, when you look back on it, you go, "Oh well." If I hadn't gone for- through that, yeah. then I wouldn't be who I am now, mm. um, or I wouldn't be where I am now. Sometimes it's the the actual the pain of exist when pain of existence gets too much. That's when we realize we have to change and we have to make yeah. a change, right? And- there was a change, and yeah. I think without going through that horrible, isolated, depressed period of my life where I pretty much just cut everyone out of it and you know hid away um, I, I don't I don't know like I don't think I'd be as happy as, as I am now yeah that's which a is, which is yeah and I suppose in a way you sort of found did you find like a did you think it was like a, a saving grace this work that you were doing like this was your this was your like escape valve, or was this just something you were doing because you'd you'd signed up for it, or wait, what, what was my saving grace? <clears throat> so the so the so like while you're while you're in this this bubble of of shit, yeah, just darkness. <laughs> yeah. Uh, was did you find that like working on this level, this project, oh. this brief was like something you were doing to like escape it? Yeah, to... absolutely. Yeah. that was it. That was my whole day. It was it was that that and only that mm-hmm. um, I didn't so it's care like 10 about hours a day kind of whatever as long as I'm awake yeah um, I've nothing else to do with my life <laughs> so yeah yeah I guess this is what I'm doing and yeah um, maybe not the recommended work schedule no but, <laughs> but it's essential sometimes isn't it the thing the break that I got that got me in a job came from the work I did during that bubble of shit mm-hmm and so I don't know how to feel about it. It yeah. was awful. I, you know, <laughs> I really hurt myself. Um, you know, I was suffering. My whole family was suffering because of me. And, uh, you know, because of me putting myself through this 
isolation. But good did come from it, which is really weird. So I don't know whether to look at it and be grateful that it happened. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those, isn't it, where it's like, do you, it's, it's hard to, it's like, you, you look at like, I'm going to draw a parallel here. You look at someone like Kurt Cobain, yeah. who you have some resemblance to, except I think you... Well, you you kind of do as well. Yeah, yeah. We're both called We're both Will. Will. We should point out, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we've gone this far. I mean, I suppose if the audience knows me, then they know that there's two Wills on this where there's a Will. But um, but yeah, but like you look at someone like Kurt Cobain, you wonder, like, could you have made that music if you weren't in so much pain? Yeah. Like, could it... Was it possible for someone to... like Because you, you listen to, like, his rendition of... Um, where did you sleep last night or any of the songs really but like specifically that one to me and you can just like the live recording of him at was it uh, Reading I think it was a Reading I can't remember exactly but it's no it's unplugged in New York and there's a there's just so much anguish and agony oh, that really? you can hear, you can hear it. audibly in his in his rendition that you're oh, bloody hell it's beautiful though there's so much like quality to it that's just you can feel, and I just wonder if you would get that without yeah. all the torment. Can you really, like, you listen to someone else, like, I don't know, um, who's someone who lived a fairly normal life and they still do music? Someone like, uh, like Moby. It's good. It's banging. Don't Love know. Moby. <laughs> I don't know who Moby is, but okay. It's just, it's yeah. just some, like, electric pop. Okay. It's just it's good. It's good. Yeah. But it's not got the same, like, okay, raw, yeah. like, it doesn't shake my bones in the same way that, like, mm. like, what's it, like, I don't know. Uh, like Green Day yeah. Green Day are good yeah. I just don't have the same kind of reverence for the like the, the lead singer of Green Day mm. as I do Kurt Cobain I know yeah, they're I different mean, genres but yeah. like do you know what I mean like there's that, that pain. like Freddie Mercury for example lived a very like free but also like troubled and conflicted life right and you almost can hear it in like the way he produces his music I don't mm. know why I'm only using musicians as like these things but that's the obvious go-to one, really, isn't it? Oh, what, Van Gogh? What? That's the other obvious go-to one, right? Van Gogh. Oh, can you see it in his paintings and shit? What, the, like, the craziness of his existence? I haven't studied enough Van Gogh. <laughs> Van Gogh's. Fair, I, I think, I don't know, there's a certain, there's a quality that you get to his work that is... Speaks to me anyway when I've looked at it. Well, what was his life like? Was his life... Shit. Oh, okay. Oh, absolutely awful. What about... Um, what's his name? Ah, the guy who did the alien stuff. Geiger. Geiger. What about him? That's a good question. I don't know. By the look of his work, I think he might have been molested or something. Like, the, the his work is just mental. Yeah. A baby biting on an axe with a swastika on, and bullets full of no guns full of fetus bullets. What's going on there, mate? <laughs> <laughs> Where's that coming from, dude? Yeah. Where the fuck is that coming from? Although it's like, it's like uh, you know, um, Frank Zappa. You, you've you heard of the music heard of Frank him, Zappa? I don't think I've listened so to it. The music is the most surreal, psychedelic, insane, warped, twisted, soundscape tune. Like, some of it's really jazzy and, like, kind of just, like, weird and jazzy. Some of it's so spicy and yeah. off the deep end, it barely counts as music anymore. And the guy never did any drugs. He barely drank. Oh. Didn't not, not even one drug? He'd never done a drug. Damn. He'd never done a whole <laughs> drug. No, he's, he's notorious for being, like, pretty straight edge. I think he might have drunk beer. He might be sober. I'm not mm. sure. Okay. But sometimes you get a right fucking freak case who's got no... Nothing wrong with them, but... 
they're just they're just I mean like there's plenty mm. wrong with Zappa he was a madman but like okay. it, just in terms of his like so there's a clause written into god my tangentially speaking <laughs> right like just all over the shop yeah. but there's a clause written into basically every music um every label when they sign with a band has a clause saying that if you're signing a multi-record uh, label deal uh you have to record those um, records individually. And it's because Frank Zappa once entered into like a seven album contract with a record label that he, after the first, excuse me, after the first album, he realized they were just shit. No, I don't want to work with these guys ever. These guys are awful. Right. Uh, and so he then went back to the studio, recorded, recorded six albums and released them all at once. Wow. And they were like, you can't do that. And he's like, <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> and he was like, well, I just did. Yeah. And I'm like, what? No, that's not, you can't, that's, and he's like, yeah, doesn't say anything about that in the contract. Wow. And so now. Proper shafted them. Yeah, now there, there's always a clause in every contract saying you can't release all of the albums at once because hmm. of Zappa. Okay. Yeah. you got to appreciate when someone finds a loophole like yeah. that. Good for him. Yeah. It's good. Hmm. Oh, I love musicians. <laughs> Especially, like, he, he was very, um, politically active like he was pretty prolific with the way he thought and like not necessarily politically active in terms of he would like go to rallies and things as far as I'm aware but he was just like very turned on to the way that like the industry worked and like mm. didn't want to be a part of that sure I don't know rebels the rebel yeah mavericks Sounds like it yeah they're pretty cool people generally loose cannon yeah literally mm. there's a I believe was it him yeah I think it was him there's a story of a guy went to one of the, like there was like a meet and greet after one of his shows pretty sure this was Zappa and this guy brought a gun and like pointed a gun at him mm. to this meet and greet and uh, Zappa rather than freak out very calmly said okay well you know maybe we should all go down to the, the, the lake and so like they all go on this walk to the lake and he's just talking like chatting the breeze <laughs> this guy still pointed a gun at him <laughs> And then he was like, oh, let's all just throw stuff into the lake and just start like, Genius. like throwing his shoes into the lake and like, and eventually the guy threw his gun into the lake and wow. they like carried on like nothing had happened. But like, huh. <laughs> guy managed to disarm someone. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. You get some, I mean, if only John Lennon could have pulled that shit off. Yeah. Just like throwing things and hoped he's <laughs> gone off. Yeah. It's wow. just mad, isn't it? People got way with words. Throw your guns down, people. Yeah, get rid of your guns. Get rid of your guns. How long have we been at this? Ah, about an hour. Already? Yeah. Wow, how long do you usually go on for? Normally about an hour. Really? Yep. Yeah. Do you want to, we should, we should finish up, wrap up the, uh, the how you got your first job, or was it, was it that you worked at, uh, uh did that mod for Killing Floor? No, let's speed run this. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, so Killing Floor was, no, that was before Nuclear Dawn. Oh, right, Nuclear uh, Dawn, yes. I then made a map for another competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a game called Rising Storm 1, which mm-hmm. was also Tripwire, the publisher for developers and publishers of Killing Floor and Red Orchestra. Um, and I got noticed for that um, by a guy named Tony Gillum. And he sent me a message. And bear in mind, I made all that whilst I was in the bubble of shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, Tony Gillum sent me a message and said, hey, we're a new startup studio. Uh, do you want to come down for an interview to Falmouth? And I, I said, yes, okay. Which took a lot of courage, because I really wasn't feeling like it. Yeah, 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 you cut yourself off from the whole world, yeah. and it's like, to pull yourself out, and yeah. where were you living at the time? In Yorkshire? In North Yorkshire, yeah. Holy, that is a long journey. Yeah. So I was, <laughs> I was pretty nervous about that, but yeah, 
I did it. Um, came down here, had a great time. Um, and yeah, I was offered a job. And so I moved here November. I moved here two weeks after the interview. Yeah. Which is pretty rushed. Um, but moving here, uh, that got me out of my bubble. Mm-hmm. I recovered way quicker than I would if I was just trying to recover normally without a job and still up north. Um, and yeah, Tony Tony really looked after me. Uh, I enjoyed enjoyed the company. Tony took care of me. He, you know, he, uh, I think I told, I told him vaguely like, you know, what I'd been to and whatever. He was like, yeah, I understand, dude. Um, yeah, let's get, you, let's get you fixed up. And, yeah. Took yeah. you under his wing to an extent. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. So I'm really grateful for, grateful to Tony. And I worked at that company for three and a bit years, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I left there after releasing, well, ha- having finished developing Rising Storm 2 Vietnam. Yep. So that was my first title, which was great. And that was a good feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I left after that to join a new studio headed by Tony again. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Tony hired me again. Thanks, Tony. You've done a good enough job to <laughs> deserve a rehire. Yeah. yeah. Uh, thanks, Tony. And I was with them for a little over a year, I think, before I decided to go freelance. Mm-hmm. I feel I I was still working on like the same sort of genre of games, the same tools and stuff. And I was at that point, I was starting to feel a bit stagnant. So I was like, I'm going to do something different. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I thought I'd try freelance, just given you know, it, I th- I thought there'd be a lot more varied opportunity. I could stay living where I am. And so I did that. I honestly thought within three months I'd have to move back with my parents because it was just going to not work out. Yeah. Or, yeah. The uh, scary, scary transition to freelance. Yeah. So I, I went freelance and uh, guess who my first client was? Was it mine? No, it was Tony. It was Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Gillum. Thanks, Tony. Uh, so yeah, he was my first client. So he hired me three times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, that was cool. Um, if there's not like if there's not a recommendation stronger than <laughs> oh no I've hired him before I'll get him, I'll get him on again one more yeah. time looking at his own reference yeah <laughs> oh don't know don't know if I trust this Tony fella yeah. <laughs> so, yeah I'm very grateful for Tony um, uh, yeah he's he's really helped me a lot um, yeah so I I guess I can credit him for pulling me out of my bubble of shit and getting me here now um, well done Tony thanks Tony. And, and John, Tony and John are friends as well, which is all weird and mm-hmm. how this is all interlinked. Um, yeah, now I'm freelance. I've been working on the same project for over a year now, mm-hmm. same team, which uh, is going really good. It's a game called Hell Let Loose. Um, Say that again. Hell Let Loose. Hell Let Loose. Yeah, a bit of a mouthful, but uh, yeah, I'm enjoying that. I'm having a good time. That's cool. Yeah, and I'm really grateful for them for keeping me on for so long, mm-hmm. which I wasn't expecting. No. You know, I thought freelance would all be like about jumping job to job and you know counting your pennies, but I've had a pretty pretty good time with it so far, thanks to thanks to these guys. Yeah, yeah, sorted. Yeah. So now and now we're uh, and now we're here, and it's. Do you know when your your game's gonna ship? The one that's well, coming out. It's been in early access since June last year. Okay. So it's been nearly nine months. That's mental. That is mad. That's a long early access yeah. period. Uh, that's not that long. I think no, I suppose, yeah. Minecraft, what was that? Like three? Oh, I wasn't thinking of that. The game... 
What game is still in a squad is still in early access? Oh, what, Star Citizen? No, no, uh, I don't know about that. I was just thinking of one game that's called Squad. There's another one called Besiege. I think that's just come out of early access, which was in, it was in there for three, five years, sorry. Besiege has been for five yeah, years? five years. Holy shit, man. I didn't realise it was that long. I mean, yeah. I remember playing it years ago. It was yeah. good then. It's, it's just come out. It's just released? Yeah. That's mental. Yeah. I think there's a lot of games that's been in early access forever. I think, I think... Early access was very much a common trend like a, a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. And so I guess a lot of those games are still trying to finish the dev cycle, right? Like, you drop it into early I access so. and then... I mean, some of them have just legit died. Yeah. Just so now they're in, like, permanent limbo of... Is this game ever getting finished? Yeah. What about all these people that paid all this money? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a weird... seems to be a weird grey area. Mm. Or something like it's just... feels a bit odd. <laughs> yeah, the games industry is like that, though. Mm. It's like one monetization money like one monetization method after the next right it's like oh uh, the flavor of the month is month is loot boxes so everything has yeah. loot boxes yeah. or yeah or, i guess it was like three or four years ago it was like everything is early access that's how it's done now it's a strategy yeah not every game goes for but like mm. at the time it was oh we're making a game i guess yeah. we're going to early access it and get all that money up front but then people realized you only get one release yeah even if you go early access and release Everyone's only going to remember you for that one yeah, first yeah. early access. So yeah, it's yeah it seems to be a little bit dangerous sometimes. Yeah, it's a risk, especially if you're making a game that's not like if you're making a game like Besieged or Minecraft. It's like okay, that can go into early access because everyone's like, oh, I see the potential, and I'll keep coming back yeah. to see what's being added. But if you're doing like a bespoke story experience, you can't really do early access. You just although then again, St- Stanley Parable, that game. You know Stanley Parable? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. That was released way before they had, like, the actual Steam release, and then the huh. guy took it down. Oh, really? Yeah, he released it. I think the story was he was he was getting on a plane to go to Australia or something, or going from Australia to America or something, and he dropped it. It was, like, a student project they'd been working on. He dropped it on the internet into some game-sharing thing. Yeah. It blew up over the course of his flight. <laughs> And then he was like, oh shit, shit, this is not finished. I need to finish this. And just took it down. Wow. And then I, I could be mistelling the story, but I believe that's how it went down. So like a lot of people played it in its initial boom and then it vanished. And so he said he went to a GDC and everyone, he benefited from the fact that a lot of people had heard of Stanley Parable, yeah. the concept that the narrator talks to the player the whole way through, no matter what choice they make. Yeah. Cause it's such a cool concept, but n- not that many people had actually played it. So they didn't get to see how janky it was and how not all of the endings worked and like. Sure. So he then had a year, I believe, or a year and a half, where he was like, "Okay, I'm gonna actually make this into He's a got game." The motivation there, hasn't he? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's crazy. That's so cool. Mm. So I just love like. See, this is why I wanted to get like your story because like, everyone's story is so much like no one knew where they were going until all the pieces come together. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like you can only put it together retrospectively. Yeah. The look comes into it a lot i am so lucky mm-hmm. one that john from tripwire reached out and spoke to me there's another person i haven't mentioned actually um on, from the nuclear dawn team uh, his name i know his online name xanthi his real name's urin i think i'm pronouncing that right um and he was he was another he was working for that company he was making nuclear dawn and i got chatting with him thanks to this competition and i just feel so lucky that i had two 
industry people chat to me when I was feeling at my lowest uh, from games that I really liked and then, you know, it just... I, if they hadn't spoken to me, I'd probably have just given up. Yeah. I honestly would have just given up if I hadn't spoken to these people. Um, and I bet, like, you know, as much as I'm sure they sort of had reverence for it, I'm sure in, in, in their own way, they probably didn't realise quite how much of an impact they were having. No, like, they were just talking to someone. Yeah. Or, you know, seeing text, they had no idea what I was going through. They didn't realise they were <laughs> helping someone. Yeah. Or, like, rescuing someone yeah, in a way, yeah. 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 It's so mega, mega lucky, and I'm very, very grateful that those people were there and <laughs> let me talk to them for a bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, but you see, like, you know, hopefully one day someone's going to be listening to this podcast and be like, oh, I want to be a game dev, but I've dropped out of uni, and they hear your story and go, oh, I can do it. It's so, possible. Yeah, I guess if I could offer any advice, it's if you really want to do it, just do it. Teach yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, yeah don't Make mods. Make mods. Modding seems to be dead these days, but there's other ways to make content and games and stuff, and... Enter contests. Enter con- yeah, contest. If you find a contest, absolutely enter it. Because you get a brief and you get, you know, exposure and you might get to talk with developers and stuff. And you get a deadline. You, and get, you get deadlines. Other people around yeah. you who are also struggling. Yeah. Yeah. I've entered a contest, a couple contests this year. I'm doing the rookies. Well, I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's, a, it's a, um, how do I describe it? It's an amateur... CG artist competition and there's lots nice. of different categories and it's the 10th anniversary this year Yeah. Um, and some of the work that goes into it is absolutely phenomenal and to be a rookie air quotes rookie you only like you can be as experienced as like one year in industry or like fully graduated and stuff so it's like sure. the, the, the various levels of rookie are you know some of the people are still like they've still got 9-10 years of experience even if they haven't had all that much industry experience they still can enter the rookies right so you get some really high quality work yeah I'm trying to say. but um i've entered nice yeah <laughs> yeah so that's uh Good that's my strategy for the next three months is to to get that together but i think we've been yeah we've been going for over an hour too long so um we will in 11 minutes we will wrap it up is there any um social medias that people should uh, go check out really <laughs> no, no portfolio for potential port- employers I've to look at sta- art station yeah uh, don't know what the actual URL is just yes search Will Bullen should, um, we, should we just do that now and get the uh, art station the official uh, but yeah that, that's uh, that's about it art station there we go top result yeah there I am the one and only so yeah so you're just on there as Will Bullen yep yeah cool all right well yes. uh place you'll find me at the moment well that's the end of where there's a will squared yeah <laughs> thanks for having me it's uh, been my pleasure and uh i'll wrap the show with uh, that <laughs>